Query's full stack, um, and it renders the stuff on the server or on the client, right? So you can have server-side rendering. Both, yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, right. Yeah, you gotta have gotta have both. Um, so the server-side rendering, I'm really torn on server-side rendering, to be honest. Um, I don't use it personally. Uh, it's a feature that sort of came with Omnext, and then I've kind of carried it along. Um, mm -hmm. And it's actually somewhat of a of a pain to make work well. Um, uh, yeah, and especially with React. Yeah, and I'm not sure as we're getting further and further into the modern web, it really even makes much sense anymore. Uh, in the sense that a lot of the search engines nowadays actually will pull up a full stack, you know, single page app, and and run it in a headless environment so they can see what it looks like, right? So so the whole idea of you, you're not going to get SEO with a single page app, well. First of all, one assumption is you're going to be writing your main corporate website with a, a React app. Is that really, do you really need a single page app for that? Or should you just be using Hiccup and serving HTML, right? You know, just, like, Correct. just serve yeah. it, you know, don't, don't make, I the, agree. don't make this mess. Yeah. Um, and the other argument is, well, you'll render the first frame, but yeah, do you really want to render the first frame and have it be in, in, in non-interactive? Like, does that really help much? Like just just load an image that spins something, you know. Do what Gmail does, right? Show the show the mail icon that's filling in, and when it gets there, it gets there. So mm -hmm. I, I really kind of see server side rendering as a as kind of a not a great idea, but it's a feature that people continually ask for and I don't know, whatever. So I'm not a huge fan. Um, that said, uh, it, it kind of came with it, and it, it's um, it's essentially just I think Antonio Monterio is the guy who originally wrote most of it, um, and it's essentially mm -hmm. an implementation of React rendering written in Clojure, mm -hmm. uh, so that the same functions that you call uh, to make the DOM in your components um, uh, have a uh, when when you compile them in Clojure, they emit. Uh, things that you can then call a function on to turn into a string of HTML. That, that's, that's essentially the trick. The, the limitation of the server-side rendering in that, in that respect is that if you're using any sort of JavaScript component libraries, which a lot of people do, I do, everybody does, I think, um, those things won't render, right? Because you don't have an actual JavaScript environment. So then you have to write a CLJC function for them that emits something that's going to look reasonable. Like I said, I, I think it's a bad idea. And it's, it, it might be something that I you know, end up at some point in the future deprecating and moving to a, a library. Hey, somebody else maintain this. I don't care about it. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of client side rendering, now that's that's a uh, I think a much more interesting topic because that is something you're uh, you really need to do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also interesting. Like I'll make this side comment. We can we can treat this as a later topic. But Fulcro is capable of running headless. So Fulcro doesn't need to render, right? It has a, it, it's, it's got a transaction processing system and a network, a, you know, network support and like loads, fetches, mutations, all that stuff. Um, in fact, I did a YouTube video here recently where you, you could just use Reframe to render and use Fulcro to do your backend. Like you could actually mm -hmm. do that. Um, I, I haven't done that myself beyond just showing a demo that shows you can probably get away with it. So, you know, it'll consider it a supported feature, but that's part of the design is it's meant to be able, it's meant to let you run it in the JVM. Mostly the, the feature was built as a, as a, well, let's let it work for server-side rendering, right? You might want to spin up the app on the server, get it into a certain state, and then generate the frame you want to show. 
mm-hmm. right? So you kind of need all of the namespaces to work on the server. That's part of the reason why SSR is such a pain in the butt to do in, in a full mm-hmm. closure, closure script kind of way is either you're going to spin up, you know, Nashhorn or something on the JVM and, and actually run the app there to get your frame and then send it to the client, which is horribly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're going to have to actually be able to run the app. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you use Node.js, well, then you could just put in the DOM helpers or whatever in Node.js. I, I know people who are doing that for their server-side rendering where they really just, you know, they use React server-side rendering to do Node-based server-side rendering with Fulcrum. Mm-hmm. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's CLJC, like everything is kind of built to work on both, um, both sides. <clears throat> so, sorry, that was a little bit of a tangent, but in terms of of UI rendering, um, I don't. Do you have a particular uh, place you'd like to start on that? Fulcro doesn't use Hiccup for rendering, right? Right. To me, that's uh, that's just like a who cares. I, I to me, I consider that one of those like. Uh, uh, does it do what you need it to do? Are you really that like, this is sort of like when, when JavaScript programmers look at closure and go, Ooh, the parentheses in the wrong place. And they put on blinders. It's like, really, that's what you care about. You care about whether or not you use the parentheses there or there. I, it, I, yeah, I don't even really want to talk about that one because I think it's a non-issue. It's like you, I think it's, so the answer yeah. is you could use Sublano if you want to use Sublano and you can use the hiccup style notation in your body of renders. Fulcro does yeah. not make any requirement for that. What it does do is it provides you with uh, uh, function-based versions of React factories for the DOM that are also have a macro variant on both Clojure and Clojure script, uh, which was actually kind of a complicated thing to build. And when you performance test them, they actually outperform most everything except for all vanilla JS. Um, if you use them in their optimal way, um, Thomas Heller actually uh, did the performance testing for me and reported back, and, and it came out to be one of the fastest in terms of DOM generation. Um, because, uh, and actually I used some tricks that he taught me, um, mm. the macros actually emit JS objects at compile time. So even though you give it a closure map, um, uh, I can translate it directly to a JavaScript object at compile time so that mm-hmm. there, it's literally emitting exactly what you would type in, in you know, from JSX. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they're very fast, um, uh, but yet there's a function version of them. So you, you can use them functionally. So you can run them over a map or, you know, whatever and, mm-hmm. and they work properly. So, um, you know, make what arguments you want about, I'd rather have it as data and be able to manipulate the data. I don't know. They're higher order functions. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's not one that I engage in much, but, but yeah, we can, we can, we have the factory elements. That's, yeah. that's the central concept there. And there's the specialized keyword support where you can get sort of your CSS classes. You say div, you know, colon dot X, and you'll get class X on that div. Right. So in terms of number of characters typed, uh, it's pretty similar. Um, and in terms of being able to define, uh, you know, whatever. You can just, as far as I'm concerned, they're isomorphic, right? Use whichever. Yeah, I just wanted, I just wanted to address this during the podcast. That's why I asked. Sure. No, no, no. It's fine. It's it's a good it's a good question because a lot of people ask that question. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was being critical of you. I was being critical of the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not in the sense of the podcast. In the sense of, I really want to challenge people to think about when they ask this question. Right. This is a question where you're asking about your personal preference. Yeah. So there is one. 
So there's one thing. Uh, so when you paste any HTML into Cursive, mm -hmm. it will automatically convert this to Pika. Okay. Which is which is nice. So if I take HTML, paste it in my cursor, he will ask, do you want to transfer this to Hiccup? And then you just say, okay, and he does it. Yeah. If I paste uh, any component, so I know you also have in the book uh, a way to... I've got an HTML translator that's live. Yeah, you can just paste HTML into that and emits the same thing. I mean, I could ask exactly. Colin if he's interested in, in, in integrating that, but to be honest, like I do that so infrequently personally. I mean, I, I hear you. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an ease. It's a convenience. Um, right. How often in my day do I need to do that? And does it really cost me that much to flip over to my web page and paste it in there? I've done it maybe yeah. twice in the last year. It hasn't, it, hasn't, it hasn't really affected my flow. Remember, my central goal with the tools that I build is I'll address it if it actually affects my sustainable development. If mm -hmm. I were that every five minutes, I'd have already bugged the hell out of Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to make that work for me or I just switch to hiccup right I mean I if that's the thing you do most often use Sublano absolutely um, it's something I very rarely do so yeah I don't personally care about it yeah I think but, there's some interesting things to talk about in rendering so, okay. so yeah so in terms of the Dom factory things those aren't the interesting things um, mm -hmm. the interesting things are to ask questions like uh, um, uh, is react the right thing uh, mm -hmm. Would you prefer to be using something that isn't React-based? Uh, um, uh, some other things that come to mind are, you know, can we do, uh, uh, you know, what can we do better in rendering? Or how, you know, what are the holes in Fulcro in terms of, of how the whole rendering story plays out? Um, you know, those kinds of things. There are a lot of interesting um, angles in there. So is React the right thing for rendering? Right. So... React like is the thing that got us started, and certainly there are tons of libraries out there that are doing virtual DOM diffing. So you know, one question you could ask is, well, can I just use Preact? Right? There's this there's this API compatible mm -hmm. uh, React like library that actually is faster. It doesn't doesn't it's not trying to go down some of the rabbit holes that React itself is going down. But beyond that, and and in fact, you can Fulcro has a current limitation on using Preact, but I won't get into that. You you currently cannot use Preact with, with Fulcro, but I know exactly what the bug is. I just haven't wanted I haven't wanted it, so I haven't fixed it. But I think it's more interesting to consider like the approach React is taking. And hooks are making things more interesting and, and better in some ways and, and worse in others. I really do like React hooks. I like the, I like that, you know, less component centric mm -hmm. uh, way of moving. But if you look at the wider picture of what are people doing to make reactive UIs. I think Svelte is a really interesting project. It's a vanilla JavaScript project mm -hmm. where they're actually using a compiler to pre-compile what you give it. And, and what they're doing is they're kind of analyzing the parts of the UI that are static and, and kind of emitting those once, right? So when you load the app, it's like, all right, you're going to show this page. Here's all the crap that's going to stay the same. I'm just going to set that DOM up. And then I'm going to instrument stuff so that as you change the data, I only have to mess with these DOM elements. I don't have to do this VDOM dipping stuff. Mm -hmm. right? And that's why it's interesting. It's interesting because you get rid of the virtual DOM diff. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's a perfectly valid question to ask, do we care? Because on the one hand, while it's cool that they can do that, when I look at my production builds in Fulcro at, at frame rate and what overhead React actually has in there, it's hard. It's hard to make it take more than a millisecond or two to do the diff um, on on most applications. And so, 
when I look at that, I go, well, you know, I'm more interested in the ecosystem React has, right? Because I need a bunch of widgets. And from a business right. perspective, I'm much more interested in having React than having mm -hmm. than shaving 100 milliseconds or sorry, 100 microseconds off of something that's already fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, but it is interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I've talked to Thomas Heller. Uh, he's got uh, in Shadow CLGS, he's actually doing his own little custom UI thing. And he doesn't want users for it. It's not a published thing. It's just he's taken yeah. the health concept and he's like, well, can't we just do this with macros? Like, we don't have to build a compiler. We have macros. That's a, that's a compiler extension, right? Right. And so he's kind of experimented with this thing in ClojureScript where, where why, don't, why aren't we pre-analyzing the DOM, emitting that, what's static, mm -hmm. uh, just once, and then just not worrying about those bits, right? Only worry about the, the stuff that actually changes based on the data model. And I think that's a really great approach. And Fulcro could really, uh, in fact, he's using a Fulcro style normalized database in his in his thing. Um, mm -hmm. It really helps that, you know, everything's got this identity, this query that you can just, you know, you can sort of keep track of what asked for what and, and refresh it in a very targeted way. So in, in one sense, I think it's, it's an interesting intellectual pursuit to say, could we do better? And I think the answer mm -hmm. is definitely yes. Uh, yeah. And then asking the question, well, should we? Well, I shouldn't because I don't have any more time. <laughs> right? going, down that, going down that rabbit hole just to get something that then doesn't have an ecosystem around it is a complete waste of my time. But mm -hmm. if someone were to develop such a thing uh, and, you know, we could plug it into, you know, to, to Fulcro as a plugin, well, then an ecosystem might pop up around it. That's where people write components. Oh, the, you know, this is so much better. We like this so much better that we're going to write the drop down and the, and the pop-up and the right. blah, blah, blah. Um, and once that exists, Hey, you're in great shape. Um, and, you know, Fulcro is, you know, when I did the rewrite to Fulcro three, so it's kind of gone through this evolution of a plugin for Omnex to its own thing, two was its own thing. Mm -hmm but it still had some Omnext code in it. And three is just like a complete rewrite. You know, API lookalike, um, but I specifically changed all the namespaces to new names, renamed everything so that it was obvious this is not going to be 100% compatible. If, you, if you're going to move two to three, it's a porting effort. And so three looks very much like two, but it's got completely cleaned up internals, right? What The stuff that I was having to do to kind of shoehorn into Omnext to make it do it the way I wanted to, was it was it was some ugly backflips. Um, and I was really glad to be able to rewrite that. And one of the things that I, I was able to do was, was kind of separate the rendering layer kind of out um, so that uh, you, you really could, and, and in Omnext you sort of, I think you, you probably could have gotten pretty close to it without much, but anyway, uh, Fulcro has as kind of a first-class citizen this idea that you can plug your own rendering into it. Um, in fact, I've kind of wanted to write a demo. I'm, uh, you know, I'm an old hack, uh, Unix hack, and I, I, you know, used to write C code for systems programs and used to write things in curses where you had this like this text terminal at, you know, 9600 baud where, you know, you use the library to move the cursor around the screen to make things appear in certain places, right? And I've been tempted to like, <laughs> there's a in curses. Uh, plugin for the JVM with, that you could use to like control a text terminal, um, okay. and and it, you know because Fulcro can run headless in the JVM, you technically could make a renderer for Fulcro that would render to curses as a text terminal. <laughs> so you your forms in an old school style, like you know, nineteen uh, eighties uh, cyan terminal or whatever. 
Um, right. It's more funny than anything, but but you know, not not practical at all. But but it, it illustrates a point, and that's that um, if you can figure out a way to do your diffing so that you can figure out what to update, you can plug a render in and have it do that. And so that's why there, mm-hmm. you know, that, there's that YouTube video where I can show you, okay, you can use reframe for the rendering because Fulcro doesn't care who's rendering. You just, you can just tell it don't render. You're not rendering. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so if someone were to develop something like us felt for CLJS, you know, we could, we could pretty easily make a rendering plugin for Fulcro mm-hmm. that, that could do that. So uh, when it comes to the uh, also rendering and maybe composition of the components, um, so historically there is a requirement that you compose uh, your query from the root, right? Right. So, I mean, the part part of this is a React thing, and part of this is a Fulcro thing, and and the part of it that is a Fulcro thing is historically an Omnext thing. So. In React, I mean, you do have to build your things as a tree, right? You you do build the things up from root. Your initial render is from root. And then you can do, you know, especially if you have component local state, you can do like these localized updates. And then libraries like Fulcro and Reframe and so on and so forth, um, you know, hook, hook into uh, the system so that they can refresh targeted components without having to re-render from root. <clears throat> and Fulcro is no exception on that. It can, it can re-render. In fact, it can do synchronous transactions to the database that immediately render the component so that you're going through the Fulcro database, but you're still getting the component local state synchronous semantic, which is required for form inputs to work properly. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so the composition from root's one thing. The query composition from root is another. And so that's another historical thing. And, and this is another source of, I think, legitimate uh, complaint about uh, Fulcro is that historically you had to compose the root, uh, I'm sorry, the query from the root all the way down to the leaves. Um, mm-hmm. And you could skip components. So you can make a, a stateless Fulcro component or just a function, right? Just a regular function that renders elements, React elements that sits in the middle, that isn't part of your data graph. And it doesn't have to have a query, right? It's, it's not that code can't sit in the middle. It's that every node of your graph that needs data from your database has to be joined to a node above it. And then the props have to be picked apart and passed down through. Mm-hmm. And so that's a source. It's a source of confusion and it is a source of some boilerplate there. Some of these interstitial nodes, if you make them as nodes, you'll end up composing a query for no other reason, but to pick it back apart and pass the data through. Mm-hmm. So, so part of that is just a misunderstanding. You don't really need to put a query on that guy, right? The, the thing that's just like picking it apart and passing it on, you didn't need to put a query there. Just pass it on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a function. It's not even, not even a component. Um, so part of that is a misconception. But part of it is a legitimate complaint. And it's a legitimate complaint as soon as you get to a point in which it no longer makes sense to connect your graph. Now, it turns out there's a trade-off here. Um, because remember, we were talking about dynamic routers. Uh, right. We had that composition point where I was using the query for introspection. So the fact that you connect the graph gives me a superpower. Same thing with the form. The fact that you connected the graph gives me this superpower where I can I can do this thing for you uh, that's that you can't do without that information. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as you break the tree, uh, you've broken that. Um, now. There are some really good places, though, where you want to break the tree. And the most common case is sort of a higher order component, 
higher order function case, right? So I mm -hmm. want to use React Navigator from the JavaScript ecosystem. That means mm -hmm. I'm going to hand it a component and it's going to render it. Well, if it's going to render it, it doesn't know to pick my props apart and pass the right thing to the component, right? It's completely unaware of that. So, so getting those components to those, I'm sorry, those properties from the Foco database to ferry through a higher order component composition pattern, it doesn't work, right? It breaks down. And there are ways you can, you know, Foco support way, supports ways to get around that and has for, for years, but none of them were formalized as a pattern. Like you, you, you know, you had to kind of be an expert in the system to know how to do this relatively common need. Um, and so mm -hmm. it was a legitimate, a legitimate complaint that I hadn't made, uh, you know, a thing you could use uh, to satisfy this pattern, partially because I, you know, I wasn't running into it because I wasn't using those kinds of components because I don't like the higher order component pattern for the most part. I, I mm -hmm. really just like, I don't, I don't feel like you can reason about it all that well in a lot of situations, but I do recognize that there are components out there that. Uh, that are really nice to use and that use this pattern and, and it's okay. So uh, recent, more recent versions of Fulcro have a formal wrapper that you can, you can use or a formal way of just saying, I'm a floating root. I'm a, I'm a new starting point in the graph that's that, that queries the database. Um, Cause root is special in Fulcro, right? Root is, you're co sort of co-located with the database and you can have your own keys right there at the top level because the graph, remember we were talking earlier, to get any tree out of this graph, you have to have a starting point. You have to say, here's where I start, right? Because if I just say person, okay, what person? Well, if I say all people and here's the list, all right, now I've given enough context to go get that data and, and provide it to the component. Mm -hmm. well, you're inventing these keywords, so I don't know where natural breakpoints are in this tree, right? Um, where, where, where you wouldn't necessarily need to connect the two, right? If it's person list, you definitely need to connect to the person list item and the person list item needs to connect to its child, right? That there's a data graph there and connecting that is absolutely helpful and in no way, shape or form boilerplate, but the component that's above that list, it doesn't need to really know anything about your data model. Right. It just needs, it just knows it wants to render a person list. There you go. Person list. So that's what floating roots are about. So floating roots are, are the idea. And, and I guess in, in reframe or, or something like something like reframe, you would consider that kind of the subscription level. Here's where I ask for my data and then I can kind of pass it down through to the children. Mm -hmm. um, and so in, in Fulcro, that's called a floating root. It's, it's basically a place where you can say, okay, I'm starting over at the root. So you have context, um, and you can actually do that in the queries as well. You could you could join the queries together and you can still start over at the root with a special notation that says start over at the root, basically. But in this case, you're saying, I really want to be a freeform uh, UI root that gets rendered separately, right? That, that that something else can render and it can figure out how to get its data on its own without without Fulcro having been involved from the start. Mm -hmm. so, so like I said, it, it, if you're writing Fulcro 2, you're going to have a hard time with that one. If you're writing full growth three, it now has good support for that. But that that's been a legitimate complaint for complaint for some time that uh, mm -hmm. the graph has to be this strongly connected thing. And like I said, it's it's legitimate in some ways, and in others, a lot of cool features have fallen out of the fact that it's a connected graph. Um, it's easy to reason about where things are, et cetera, um, and it, the introspection is super valuable. 
If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast, and you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning closure script and closure at my website, jacekshe.com. That's J-A-C-E-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thank you for your support of this show.